Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au been following Pastor David and Bridge Church uh, for some for some time and um, and so it's just been great to be able to uh, have him here with us this morning. Got to meet uh, last night but I kind of felt I already knew him anyway. Um, he's an incredible pastor, an incredible leader, um, has, has a passion to see people reach their God-given potential and uh, loves to see churches flourish and I know we're going to be blessed by a man of God today who has years and years of experience. He's a father in the kingdom of God and so I want us to give him a big, big, big warm welcome as he comes to minister the word today and allow God to speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you, Pastor Joe. Good morning. Good morning. You're a good-looking bunch. You're probably the best-looking congregation I've seen all day. But I hear there's another one coming, so I'll hold my, I'll hold my judgment on that. Pastor Joe, thank you so much for uh, just the privilege of standing behind this pulpit. Um, what you don't know is I followed you on the podcast as well. So while he's doing his homework on me, I've been doing his homework on Joe. And uh, I, I just sensed this morning that uh, there is a great sense of health and strength uh, in this church. Uh, as Pastor Joe mentioned, we, uh, my wife and I, Pastor Sally, we released our church where we've been uh, part of the life of that church for over 40 years and uh, we just heard the voice of God uh, late last year just speaking to us uh, about releasing the church to next generation leadership and uh, just being available to be a mother and a father, spiritual parents in the wider body of Christ. And, uh, you know, one of the greatest uh, you know, prices involved in that was having to sort of leave home. Um, and step out of our spiritual home where we've been engaged for more than 40 years. Uh, but, you know, one of, the, one of the benefits of that is being able to just visit churches. And, you know, I, we go into a lot of churches now, and I've got to tell you, we, we step into a lot of different atmospheres and a lot of different, you know, backgrounds and different churches all across the world now. And uh, I want to tell you, it is wonderful when we're able to come into a place and go, oh, this feels like home. And can I tell you, that's, that's how I feel this morning. Uh, and can I say to you as, as a church that you are in a, uh, in a great place. You're in a place of great strength. You're in a place where the name of Jesus is lifted high and honoured and where the Spirit of God uh, is free to move. Uh, as hungry as you are, He is available to be able to touch whatever area of needs that you have, be able to break through whatever barrier you might be coming against. This is a healthy place. And uh, before I do anything, I just want to say to Pastor Joe and to Pastor Lena, um, I, I just God dropped a scripture in my heart as we were worshipping. Um, you know the scripture that talks about that the, the horse is prepared for the day of battle, uh, but victory belongs to the Lord. And what I felt was that you and the church have been in a, a season of, of preparation. And it started with the building. Uh, how many people are excited about what's happened out there in the building? Um, it's just one, that was a pretty low key response. <laughs> we'll rewind it. How many people are excited about what's going on out there in the building? Come on, now don't make me prompt you for the rest of the morning. If there's an opportunity, get in there, get, hey, come on, awesome. 
what's happened with the building is like, you know, it, it, it's a picture of what God has been doing in the church in a broader sense, that it has been a season of preparation. And there, there still is a season, a, a timing in that season of preparation to go. But it won't be necessarily just on the building, although I know you've not finished with the building. It will be a preparation of God's people, a, a, a furthering of strategic insight. And God is going to lead you step by step on the strategic insight of aligning the church for the next season of victory that God has planned for you as a people. God wants to take you from just a family of believers to an army of believers. And that takes strategy. And God is going to increase your strategic insight to help develop the people of God within this church so that you can be prepared for the day of battle. But what I felt in the Spirit was not so much that there are battles coming, but there are incredible victories coming. We get intimidated by the battle, but how many people know God is already in control of the battle and God has already declared for His church and for you, for your family, for every circumstance in your life, God has already prepared victory on the other side of the battle. So I just want to prophesy that over you, Pastor Joe, Lena, and over the church, that you are being prepared for the day of battle, but God has already reserved incredible victory. And I believe that the time of overflow is rapidly approaching. Uh, before I go on also, I'm not sure they, they've disappeared. We have this happen in our church as well, the disappearing musicians. They were here, now they've gone. And we know not where or whence they will come back. So I'm hoping they'll, they'll be back in the second service because I really felt something I wanted to share uh, for one of the, uh, the people on platform there. Uh, why don't you stand with me this morning before we come to the Word and let's pray, hey? That's a good idea. You went quiet again. That's a good idea. Yeah. What time is it in Adelaide? <laughs> Have you all had coffee? <laughs> you better start putting double shots out there. Wonderful. Father, I just thank you for your presence in this place. Father, we thank you that God is the name of Jesus that is lifted high in this place. Thank you, Father, that God, this is your house. And as we've come this morning, God, we thank you that, God, your word is living and active. It's sharp. It's powerful. And God, as we sit under the influence of your word, I pray, let my voice be hidden by the voice of the Holy Spirit. And God, no matter what our need may be, I pray this morning that, God, you, you will cause faith to rise in every heart. Let revelation come where revelation is needed. God, let hope come. Father, let strategies come. Let whatever is going to break through, let it come in Jesus' name, I pray. And everyone said? Amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. I actually want to, uh, I want to bring a word this morning. It's one of those words that I know for, uh, for some, this is going to be a word that you need right now. I love coming to church just hungry for knowing that if I need something, God is always wanting to give it to me. And this is one of those words that I know for some, it's the word that you need right now. But I also know for all of us, this is the kind of word that, that we're going to need at some stage as we keep on following Christ. And so it's maybe a word of preparation or maybe a word of breakthrough for you this morning. I'm not sure, but I know that this is the one that God has laid upon my heart. 
I wonder if I, if I asked you a question this morning, um, how would you finish this sentence? If I said to you, describe God, describe God in one word. If I said, you know, God is a God of, I wonder what we put in there. I know for some it would be that God is a God of love. Others, he's a God of power. Maybe he's a God of deliverance who broke the chains that were surrounding your life. Maybe a God of healing because you got healed and then you got saved. Maybe it's that God of transformation because your life was a wreck but God got whole. I wonder how you'd finish that sentence. And the truth is no matter how you finish that sentence, every, every, every description would be correct. They all describe the attributes and the character of God. He is good. He is a healer. He is a transformer. He is a saviour. He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. But, you know, oftentimes when we describe our God, we sort of lean to those breakthrough times, those breakthrough descriptions. But I want to talk this morning about that our God is also the God of the unexpected. The God of the left field. The God of, whoa, I never saw that coming. Sometimes the unexpected of God is good things. How many people have been blessed unexpectedly? Come on. (laughs) Sometimes it's, I got healed unexpectedly. Have you ever just woken up healed? It's incredible. Sometimes I've come to the altar and I've been prayed on, I've been spat on, I've been anointed on, (laughs) and nothing's happened. But then I've gone to bed and I've woken up healed. Sometimes the unexpected is just blessing and favour, a financial breakthrough, maybe a promotion. Maybe it was that day you first met that sweetheart, that knight in shining armour. I don't know. There was a day when I was walking down the street and I saw this girl walking up the other way in the direction and out of the blue, God spoke to me and said, she's the one. <laughs> now, I've got to tell you, I did not tell her that. But it, she was. Three years later, we were married. 37 years later, we're still married. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Five children. Six grandchildren, and there could be more on the way, but I'm not allowed to mention anything like that. (laughs) Sometimes the unexpected of God is a good thing. Sometimes the unexpected of God is not. Sometimes the unexpected things of God are painful, are confusing. Seem to go against all reason. Why would a God of blessing allow that sort of thing to happen in our lives? I want us to go to the story of Elijah this morning in the Old Testament. And we'll, we'll turn to it soon. It will come up on the screen. But let me just lay the background. Elijah was a good man of God. He was a great prophet of God who'd, who'd seen God moving. But he was, he was ministering in a time where it wasn't a good time for the people of God. The kingdom was being ruled by King Ahab. And, and the Bible describes King Ahab that he did more to arouse the anger of the Lord than all the kings of Israel before him. Now, if you know the Old Testament and you know the, the line of kings that went through the Old Testament, you know that statement is a big statement. That, that means this king was a really bad dude. 
he really upset God and he led the people so far away from the worship of the true God. But not only was he a bad guy doing a bad job, but he was married to Queen Jezebel. How many people still know the power of that name today? And the Bible says of Queen Jezebel that she was even more evil than her husband Ahab. So here's a good man, a good prophet, ministering effectively in a tough time. And then Elijah is sent to this king and he brings a declaration. You see, God is fed up. God is, is wanting to make a statement across this nation saying, hey, you may be king and you may be queen and you may not have a heart for me, but saying, I am still sovereign over this land. And so he sets up a demonstration of his sovereignty. And Elijah sent to the king and said, there'll be neither dew nor rain for the next few years except at my word. So he's declaring drought. Because of your evilness, because of your wickedness, there will be drought. And I'll show you who is God over this nation. Well, how many people know Ahab wasn't particularly happy about that? Jezebel, in particular, was not particularly happy about that. So then God speaks to Elijah and says, Quick, go and hide in the Kerith Ravine east of the Jordan. Listen, you will drink from the brook. And I've directed the ravens to supply you with food. And then the Bible says he obeyed. He went to that brook. And while he was there in the brook, while the rest of the land was in drought, it says the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening. How many people know Uber is nothing new? <laughs> all these people screaming around on scooters and all that kind of stuff. It's nothing new. He's getting his home delivery and it says he drank from the brook. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking at that stage, Elijah is probably thinking it doesn't get much better than this. The king and the queen are after me, but God has hidden me. God has, has shown his power. He's hidden me, but he's also giving me supernatural provision. My brook is still flowing and I'm getting home delivery morning and night. Have you ever been in that place where you're just thinking it doesn't get any better than this? No. <laughs> have you ever been in that place? Of course you have. The moment you got saved, it doesn't get any better than this. The moment you got filled with the Holy Ghost, it doesn't get any better than this. So many times we're in that place where if we take the time and stop and we sing a song like, you are good, it doesn't get any better than the blessing of God. But here we go, 1 Kings 17 verse 7. It says just after, a little while later, something terrible happens. And it says there, verse 1, sometime later. Everyone say, sometime later. Sometime. The brook dried up because there'd been no rain in the land. I wonder if you've ever been in a place or a time when your brook dried up. You've done nothing wrong. You've been enjoying the blessing of God. You've been coming to church. You've been tithing. You've been praying. You've been living your life to honour God, but suddenly your brook dried up. The reality is that as we go on our journey of faith, there, there are times when it will seem like God has disappeared. It, it will seem like the blessing of God has, has just dried up over our lives. It might be an unexpected loss of employment. It may be a diagnosis that, that comes out of the blue for yourself or perhaps for a loved one. Maybe it's a traumatic end of a relationship. Maybe, maybe it's, it, it's something that you never expected and you never saw that God would allow it and yet it comes into your life. And I've got to say to you this morning, I'm not preaching theology so much this morning as reality. 
None of us are immune from the unexpected that doesn't make sense. I can tell you as a preacher, I've, I've loved God and I've served God and my wife have, together have, have laid down everything for the cause of the local church. And yet we've never been immune to the unexpected. We've had the unexpected come into our life. But my wife being diagnosed with renal failure so many years ago where the doctor said she's on 30% renal function and just as progresses, she's going to end up on dialysis and her kidneys are shot. And what do you do with something like that? That's an unexpected situation. We've had the diagnosis of cancer over our family. One day, our son-in-law picked up one of my daughters. Now, they were postcard. They were, they were the, the ones, the young married couple that everybody looked at in the church and said, that's how it's supposed to be. One day, my daughter came back from a mission trip. Her husband picked her up at the airport. And on the way home from the airport, he just turned to her and he said, I've made a decision while you've been away. And I've, made, I've realized that I don't love you anymore and I'm leaving. And he walked out on her marriage. The unexpected things of God. About five years ago, on a uh, Sunday morning, I was preaching. We were getting prepared for a, uh, a love offering for a, a building development, vision offering. And so like a good pastor, I was exhorting the people to get ready to give like they've never given before. So I was preaching a message at that stage. We were running five services over the weekend and I was preaching for the fifth time. The title of my sermon that morning was, If You Build God's House, He'll Build Yours. That's a good title. I was preaching it with all of my faith. I got off the platform and I was handed a phone. And the phone, the message was, don't go back home. There's a bushfire alert and your wife has had to leave the house. She was at home with a bad back. Well, long story short, while I was preaching, if you build God's house, he'll build yours. Our house burnt to the ground. We lost everything. You know, you hear those stories, we're hearing it now in Queensland. You've got people on the news standing there. Oh, all I've got is the clothes on my back. It's all gone. That was us. And the strangest thing was that that house had been a provision, a miracle provision given to us just 12 months before. I hadn't even finished furnishing it. But it was gone. None of us are immune to the unexpected things of God that don't seem to fit. Elijah's brook dried up. But what happened next? That's what we need to look at this morning. We're going to read from verse 8, and I want you to hang in there. Read it with me. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon, stay there. I've commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called, Oh, and bring me please a, a piece of bread. Surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in my jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. But this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. So she went away and she did. Everyone say did. did. 
did as Elijah had told her. And so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken to Elijah. What do you do when the unexpected Comes. Can I suggest the first thing this morning, and it may seem too simple and it may seem very unspiritual. First thing to remember is this, don't panic. <laughs> don't panic. Now, here's the thing. In church, when you say that, everyone sits there and say, oh, no, I'd never panic. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I'm a believer. No, no, no. But how many, I've seen the movie. I've seen all of the movies. You know what happens when somebody comes in and screams, don't panic. What happens? Everybody panics. We're going to die. Everybody panics. Do you know why that is? Because we all have an emotional reaction. But the danger is that the emotional reaction, unless it transpires to a spiritual response, The emotional reaction can actually block us receiving the next step that God has for us. And so the shorter shorter we can make our emotional reaction, the better things will be. Don't panic when it seems like everything is out of control. I told you we lost the fire. I can't go into it now, but, but two years later, we ended up in a house that was bigger and better and more wonderful than the house we lost in the fire by miracle after miracle after miracle. But the funny thing was that a couple of weeks after we'd been in the house, down in the basement of this house now, there's a sauna. Sauna is, for me, it's like, it's a place where I meet God. Like some people go to the sauna for health benefits. I go to meet God. I just go to that place and it's just awesome. And I I just lie there in the heat and I sweat and I probably go into a coma. I don't know what really happens. But as far as I'm concerned, when I'm in the sauna, I'm in God's presence. And I was downstairs having a sauna after we'd been in the house for a couple of weeks. And I I did something silly. I I forgot that I've got this routine where after I turn the heat off, I I open the door to let it get a little bit cool and I cool down before I start getting active again. And uh, I forgot to turn the exhaust fan on which meant as I opened the door all the heat came rushing out of the sauna and hit the fire alarm now I'm telling you, this is a good house with good fire alarm there's one in the basement there's one on the ground floor one on the first floor and they are serious fire alarms so I go from the presence of God just lying in the presence of God to suddenly The siren is screaming and the lights are flashing in the house, outside the house. My wife is up on the first floor and all she hears is the fire alarm screaming. Now, think about it. She only just escaped from the the fire, burnt the house down with her life. Suddenly, she's in an unexpected situation where the fire alarm's going. She has no idea where I am. So she has her emotional reaction of what? Panic! But I too, I'm panicking down the thing because I'm thinking, I don't know how to turn the alarm off. I mean, I remember the builder giving us all the instructions, but whoever listens to the instructions? (laughs) Nobody does. You just go, yeah, yeah, no worries. It's never going to go off. So I'm running around the house trying to find where is the panel to turn the thing off. Sal's upstairs thinking, my darling is being burnt to death somewhere in the house. And we meet somewhere on the ground floor just screaming at each other, ah! 
She'd go, you all right? She'd yeah, I'm all right. Like, ah, how do you turn off? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I wasn't listening to the builder. I don't know. And we're, 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 we're screaming. I'm running around the house just madly pushing buttons, trying to do. It was just madness. And then all of a sudden I had a thought. Ring the builder. Like at that stage, it was about quarter to 11 at night. But what else could you do? So I rang the builder. Thank God he answered the phone. And I said, mate, the fire alarm's going off. He's going, I can hear it. I said, what do I do? And he said, just press do, 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 and it'll stop. I go, okay, do, 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 do. Guess what happened? He stopped. I learned a big lesson. When everything's out of control, just stop. Ring the builder. He knows what to do. Can I say, in our world, when everything seems to be out of control, don't panic. Just ring the builder. Because he knows what's going on. Psalm 46, in your own time, read, read the psalm. It's a beautiful psalm. It says, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. But this is the verse I want to concentrate. Psalm 46, verse 10. He, this God, this mighty God, this God who is always in control, this God, He says, be still and know I'm God. We used to sing that song. This will test. Be still and know that I am. It's better if it's not a solo. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And it goes on, I am the God that heals. I am the God of the... I am. But here's the thing. It's not talking about... It's not talking about a, a geographical stillness. It's not talking about me running around the house. Or it's, it's an inner stillness. It's God saying, no, no, no. When you want to panic, when your mind is saying, it's all over, you're going to die. It's all over, you're going to go bankrupt. It's all over, you've lost the marriage. It's all over, your kids are going to end up on the street. They're starting to experiment. When your mind is raging, God says, no, be still. Quieten your mind. Rule your spirit. Know that I am God. And in that stillness, remember a few important things. Number one is this. Remember that God never changes. When he says, be still and know that I'm God, he's the God who never changes. Our seasons change. Our struggles change. Spiritual opposition changes. All sorts of things changes. But our God He is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He's not going anywhere. He doesn't have a bad day. He doesn't turn his back on his children. God is always the same no matter what we are going through. Remember that whatever came into our world never took him by surprise. How many people know that every test is pressure tested? 
Everything that comes into our world has come via the throne of God. And His Word promises us that we can, we can have victory. That He will never desert us. He will always bring us through. No temptation. No temptation is too great. No situation too great that we cannot see God's glory come through it. Know also that His plans for you, His plans for your family, His plans for your business, His plans for your health, His plans are ultimately always for your good. There may be a little bit of short-term pain, but long-term, God's goal is always He's going to see you increase. How many people can say amen? How many people are able to look back over your life this morning and say, yeah, I've been through it and it looked really bad, but I'm on the other side now. How many people can say like, hey, hey, it just went burnt to the ground and I looked at it and I thought I've got nothing and I couldn't understand it, but look what God has done now. How many people can look at, say, a situation like my daughter's marriage with a man who just walked out, but seven years later, God has given her another man of God. Seven years later, both her and her new husband are leading a campus of a thriving church back in Melbourne. They've got two beautiful children. And we went from a moment as a family of utter devastation and betrayal. But you can look around and say, oh, but look what God has done. Can I tell you, I've got a word for someone this morning. You may be in a dark situation, but God is still on the throne. And His plan for you is not that you will decrease, but that God's glory will increase over your life. Don't panic. God's in control. So just wait for your word. Wait for your word. You see, what I love about this whole thing, verse 7 was a bad verse. Bad stuff happened in verse 7. Verse 7 was the brook dried up. Thank God it didn't end at verse 7. Verse 8 came straight after it. You be able to go home and say, man, that preacher, he was was sharp. Like, (laughs) verse 8 came straight after verse 7. He must have gone to Bible college. Like, woo wee Verse 8 came straight after verse 7. Verse 8, the verse 7, the brook dried up. Verse 8, then the word of the Lord came. How powerful is that? Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath because I've commanded a widow there to supply you with food. You know, the, the worst thing we can do when we're faced with the unexpected is to try and run around and fix it on our own. Worst thing we can do is just give in to our emotions and fall in a heap. Where's God? Stop coming to church. Blame people. No, the best thing we can do is just be still and wait for the word of the Lord. See, I love it when you look at Elijah, there was nothing in between. He didn't get a spade and start digging. (laughs) Some of us would do that. I would have done that. I would have looked for a spade and start digging, saying there's got to be water under here somewhere. (laughs) I've got to be able to fix this somehow. I've got the solution somehow. We start digging and we start trying to work things out in our own strength. But God is just saying, no, no, be still. Wait for the word. Wait for the word. And the word was leave this place and go to another place. You see, the truth is this. God will never leave us without his word to lead us into our next season. Never. There'll be moments where it will seem like he's silent, but he will come at just the right time, at just the right place, with just the right word to take you through 
into what he's already planned and destined for you. Psalm 48, another great psalm says, Great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. In the city of our God, his holy mountain, beautiful, strong, almighty. He establishes his holy city. He defeats all of his enemies. And then verse 48, 14 says, For this God is our God forever and ever. Listen, he will be our guide even to the end. Thank God we have a guide. And if you've ever been on an overseas trip where you've gone, where you haven't known where you are, a foreign place, a foreign culture, you know the value of a guide. I had the privilege of going to visit uh, Israel a couple of years ago. My wife and I joined a very small team and we went through Jerusalem. It was, it was hot as hot as hot. And we were led up through all these little alleyways and there were crowds everywhere. And everybody's speaking a language we didn't know. We're going places where if we turned around, we would have been lost in 30 seconds. But we had a guide. And like every good guide, they knew where they were going. Like every good guide, he stayed close. Like every good guide, he was committed to being there with us. Uh, but there was a time where he took us and we went through all the alleyways and we went to an open area where there was like food stalls everywhere. And he just said, hey, look, I've got to go and do something. I'll be back. Just stay here. And just, you know, just any of these, you'll get some decent food here. And then he just disappeared into the crowd. And I'm telling you, I'm a grown man, but I was afraid. <laughs> like we had to go. You know what I love about Australia? In Australia, we know what a queue means. In Australia, we know what it means. You're next, you go. Well, no, no, over there, that doesn't make sense. I don't know what's happened, but it doesn't make sense. It's just every man for himself. And if you're a local, you just push these, you know, these tourists out of the way. And if you're a local and you know the language, well, you can yell it out from the back and your order will get first. You're just there as a tourist sort of going, <laughs> well, we eventually got our food and we sat down and we waited and we waited and we waited and the, the guide wasn't there. And I started to get afraid. I'm there with my wife in a foreign country, foreign language. Like, and I'm thinking, if this guy doesn't come back, we're dead. Like, it's all over. Like, it's all over. We sat there and I'm, I'm starting to look around and I'm thinking, what a great story. What a great husband he was. He took his wife and they died in this food mall. And... But guess what happened? He came back. He came over to us. He could see the anxiety. He could see how, how, how nervous we'd become. He actually said to us, well, what, what, what were you worried about? I told you I'd be back. How often we get anxious, how often we, we start getting nervous, how often we start trying to solve problems when all the time God is saying, hey, I told you I'd be back. I told you I would never leave you. I told you I would never, ever forsake you. I told you that I would send the Holy Spirit. I told you that whenever you need a word, you'll receive a word. And can I say to someone this morning, your word is on its way. Right now, you may not hear it, you may not sense it, you may not be able to know it with your intellect, but I'm telling you this morning, your word is on its way. And you might say, how can I know that? Because I know the word of God and I know the character of God. And I know that God is a faithful guide to the very end. And when your word comes, it shifts everything. Can I invite the musicians to come? 
When the word comes, it shifts everything. We know that. I know you know that from the preaching of Pastor Joe. Just one word, one moment from God and everything shifts. Everything changes. And I don't know what your word will be. I don't know whether it will be a word of instruction. You need to do this. I don't know whether it will just be a word of hope. Maybe just a word of peace. Maybe a, 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 a word of, of strengthening. I don't know what the word will be, but I know that God will give you the word that you need just at the moment, at the time that you need it. But then, of course, it will be time for action. You see, when, when you're facing the unexpected, it's not just about don't panic. It's not just about receiving the word. It's about obeying the word. And what I love about Elijah was that when he got the word, he just did exactly what he was told to do. He left that place and he went to another place and he found the widow. And I love the fact that when he found the widow, I mean, he wasn't deterred. Can you imagine? God says, I've prepared a widow there for you. And I'm thinking, he's probably thinking, cool, a rich old widow. And what does he find? A widow who's about to lay down and die. A widow who's got nothing. I mean, if it was you or me, I would have said, huh? I've got it wrong. God, there's got to be another widow around here somewhere. Like, this is crazy. Like, do, do you have shares in a supermarket maybe? Maybe you, you know someone who owns a catering company. Like, like, don't give me a poor widow who's about to die. But no, no, Elijah just says, no, this is the word of the Lord and I'm going to do it. And then think about the widow. What was her word? Give me the last little bit you've got. Come on. Do you know why we've got the breakthrough with our, the provision of a new home? It was because Sally and I, my wife, we'd already decided what we were going to give before we lost our house. And it was the biggest single financial giving we had ever made in all of our lives. It blew us away that God would ask us to do that when we had everything. But then we lost everything. And when I went back to God, it was like God was just saying, well, I knew the fire was going to come. Do you still trust me? I said, yeah, God. He says, well, honour that pledge. And so we did. Out of our loss. It was crazy. It was the most ridiculous, most irresponsible thing apart from the Word of God I have ever done in my life. But God honoured that because it's not just hearing the Word. It's not just receiving the Word. It's obeying the Word. And here's the good thing. I know that if you're here this morning, when God gives you His Word, I know this, you will know exactly what it is He's asking you to do. Because God is not a God of confusion. He's a God who brings absolute clarity to the moment when you need it. For some of you, your step of obedience may simply be that it may be a financial contribution. I, I don't know. It, it may be that you need to go to somebody that you think you're losing and ask them for forgiveness. It may be that you need to take a, a next step in your spiritual walk and, and get baptised. It may be that you need to make that greatest decision of all to say yes to Jesus. I don't know what your step may be, but I do know that you will know because God is faithful. God is faithful. You know, when I consider this whole story and I consider the reality of the unexpected moments in our life, I stop and I ask the question of myself, what would have happened if the brook had never dried up? Like what seemed like a terrible, terrible thing at the time, what would have happened if the brook had never dried up? 
you know, if the brook had never dried up, the prophet would have stayed exactly where he was, hidden and with no voice to the nation. Yeah, he would have had all he needed, but a prophet was never destined to be hidden and to be silent. A prophet is destined to speak, to release the nation into its next season. But because the brook dried up, he stepped into the next season for himself and for the nation. What would have happened for the widow if the brook had never dried up and the prophet had never been obedient? The widow would have done exactly what she said. She would have made that last meal, laid down and died. But because the brook dried up, the prophet came, the word of the Lord came and supernatural provision beyond their wildest dreams flowed into her life and into the life of others around about. Can I say there's always a purpose behind the problem. If your brook dries up, it simply means that God has a supply of oil that will never, ever, ever run dry. I pray this morning that God will give you a paradigm shift the next time you're faced with the unexpected that says, hey, I never saw this coming. And hey, this looks like an absolute disaster, but God is still on the throne. I'm not going to panic. I'm going to worship Him. I'm going to wait for my word. And when the word comes, I'm going to step into whatever it is God is asking me to do in Jesus' name. I want you to stand to your feet if you would. My time is almost up. I'd love us to sing a song. Uh, we were singing it earlier on. Good, good God. A good, good God. And here's what I want us to do this morning. If you're in that place, and, and I know there are some that you are in that place where you're looking at a brook and it's dried up. Whatever that means to you in a moment's time, I want to pray for you. But as we sing this song, I want it to be a declaration of faith this morning. I want it to be a, a declaration that says, no matter what's going on in my circumstance, I will declare this morning in this place, God is a good, good God. And He has good plans for me. Can we sing this together as an act of worship? And then we're going to pray very quickly before we close this morning. Come on, lead us in that if you would.